Hey everyone, I hope you guys are doing okay. This is episode 10 of the Uncivilized Podcast. I'm Brady, Art is also here with us. We're just gonna deal with the elephant in the room. The plague of 2020 is upon us. Um, I'm inside currently, I've been stuck inside for a few days. I know Art's dealing with their own shit at the moment, but yeah, uh, everyone's getting sick. The economies of the world are dying. Uh, unrest is going to happen. 30% unemployment. I'm just here for the ride. I'm loving it. What do you think, Art? Well, you know, we're currently looking at about 372,757 uh, uh, infections worldwide. It has, what, a roughly 3% mortality rate worldwide, but a higher percentage in Italy. I don't know the number off the top of my head. And it's actually theorized that it could be t- uh, the infection case could be 10 times higher than what's actually known because of the current uh, quarantine uh, system they have in place. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Not at all. There's so many there's so many poor people that are sick right now. They can't afford to go in and get tested. Plus, fuck the test. I saw what that shit looks like. They take a long ass Q-tip and they shove it through your nose, through your nasal cavity, down into your throat. Fuck that. If I'm getting it, I'm dying. I don't care. They're not putting that shit in my throat. Or what is it? Yeah, the up the nose. Yeah, see, see, grog no light, clean up nose. <laughs> nah, nah, you ain't putting that shit up my nose. But I think, I think what's really interesting, I won't say good, because I'm not, because of the death and everything that comes with it, I'm not going to argue from any sort of moralistic perspective, but I think it's important that we can look at the pandemic in which we're not referring to it by its actual name on the basis that YouTube has been censoring uh, channels and videos that, that reference it by its name or any sort of co-name. So, so right now it's the plague of 2020 is what we're <laughs> going to call it. <laughs> so that for now, that's, that's going to be the name, but I think it's interesting in which we can use the plague of 2020 or, you know, the plague of 1720, 1820, the Spanish flu of 1920, you know, all these to analyze the the nature of civilization and not just capitalism, because I've seen a bunch of people saying this is capitalism's fault without really propagating oh, yeah. why why it is. Like, is that a part of it? Maybe, the you know, obviously, I think the countering of it is a, that's a big part of it, especially when you look at America. Trump wants to have, he says, a good timeline. The best timeline is Easter. <laughs> I just want my fucking MAGA bucks, Trump. I'm not going to vote for you. Give me my money. Give it to mm-hmm. me. So I think, but again, you know, it allows us to analyze the epidemic nature of civilization, you know, you know what, how it operates. Because it, it's funny that we say that it increases our health, yet how often have, do we deal with these? Throughout all of human history, whether it was tributary economies or modern economies or is so-called socialist economies, you know, what have you, that are suffering. People that are pro-China, like, so how how is socialism doing there? You know, it's uh, like their I, their common response is going to be, well, the Chinese government is containing it at the moment, so this is a big win for the socialist movement. Mm, a big a big win, despite the fact they actually just got caught lying about that. That they said, <laughs> oh, we've got no new cases. A doctor went over there and said, well, you're fucking lying. <laughs> I wonder how North Korea is doing right now. That's the real people's socialism. Let's get a what let's is, get a report on North Korea. What is it that I saw? I'm not going to believe it one way or the other, but someone, some news sources are claiming that they're just killing people with it. If they cough, they just get fucking shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a meme that I saw going around where it was like uh, the WHO or the uh, the group monitoring the plague of 2020 
um, had put on notice that there was two cases of the plague of 2020 in North Korea. And then like 12 hours later, it, the number was down to zero. And I thought that that was really funny. It's probably not true, but I'm just going to think that it is because it makes me laugh. Of course. And I think another thing that's interesting about this is, and, you know, we're not going to say it's good or bad, but I think there is something to be said about the environmental impact of the plague of 2020. And I'm curious, because I haven't done the research, but this might be interesting to look into, is if we've seen similar ca- similar impacts of, of other large-scale diseases that have happened, say the Spanish flu, what that did on carbon emissions and... Um, or, or productive society, what the impact was. Because we've seen that in the United States, Italy, China, and there was one other that I can't recall off the top of my head that, you know, th- through their scans that they can see carbon emissions have dropped tremendously or that you see water pollution has gone down. Now, I won't say it's good or bad, you know, because this is disproportionately affecting people of the lower classes that have not, you know, that this isn't their fault necessarily, you know. And I don't think oh, yeah. they necessarily... Someone that we should be like, ha, ah, yeah, fucking just start killing people with the virus. Because that both is a fascist talking point, specifically an eco-fascist talking point that we're not going to justify. But I think there that a conversation needs to be had about, yeah, absolutely. about productive society in relation to environmental impact. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to really get that in-depth into it, like looking at all the, all the specific data. You can even look at it from a pretty uh, simplistic uh, standpoint where... Some of these major cities in China, especially Wuhan, uh, some of these cities, it's their first time seeing blue skies uh, in some of these more populated and condensed areas since the Beijing Olympics in 2008, I think it was, uh, where the Chinese government limited the amount of industrial production to get rid of a lot of the air pollution for international travelers coming through the country. Like Even seeing the blue skies in China uh, tells you how much an of an impact that the plague of 2020 is having on our global ecosystem. So I like, you can obviously get into the science of it, but I don't think you really need to go that deep. <laughs> no, it actually says here that researchers in New York say that earlier, early results of carbon monoxide, mainly from cars has been reduced by nearly 50% compared with last year and emissions of the planet heating CO2 have fallen sharply. But there was also warning levels could rise after the pandemic because obviously people are going to panic travel and, you know, do, do what they need that you might see another spur. Um, I'll see if I can maybe get a link to a comparative image that shows January uh, 1st to the 20th of, January, of 2020 and February 10th to the 25th of 2020 in China that it's over. Uh, you see sort of the, the north, northeastern aspect of China with their, it says the mean tropospheric uh, NO2 uh, density. Um, that might be interesting if I can see if I can get the link into the description for people to see. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm looking at a little bit of stuff right now. Uh, I'll have to sift through it to find some some good articles to pop in the description. But it, it's not even just talking about uh, talking about emissions from factories. It's talking about all the cruise ships. It's talking about cars. It's talking about air travel. It's talking about uh, trains, uh, just honestly, everything besides power plants are pretty much shut down globally right now. So uh, it's nuts. It's nuts. And who who knows how much longer this is going to go on for? Uh, it could go on for another six weeks. It could go on for another three months. I mean, Trump was just talking today 
or yesterday, I think, uh, you mentioned this to me earlier, Art, that he wants people back at work within a, one week. Mm -hmm. Which I think is nuts. But um, yeah, who knows? Hopefully, uh, well, not hopefully, obviously, because we don't want people getting sick, but hopefully the environmental aspects of this sort of span beyond the plague of 2020. But I think we all know what happens in industrial civilization. It sees something good and it has to, uh, has to destroy it because we can't have anything nice. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. I saw uh, one of the Republican politicians said that a, in response to the pandemic, people working at home and obviously the changes to the economy that will have to occur theoretically that the claim will happen after the, the pandemic is done with, that a family market would be tragic because it wouldn't allow for the same growth that industrial capitalism provides. And I think that says a lot. That oh, says yeah, a lot about, about power relations and, and values of politicians and, and those within power, whether it's the state or within marketplaces, that obviously a, a transition away from capitalism would only be beneficial Obviously, you know, Brady and I and people who are like-minded would disagree on, you know, perhaps how far that needs to go, theoretically, to, to, to ensure the best, you know, the best outcome. And that gets into the whole conversation of uh, metabolic rift that Marx talked about with what goes into a society uh, from, you know, theoretically, quote, from nature must be returned to nature and how much that actually doesn't occur because the rift. We have so much that we aren't giving back or that we, when we do give back, it's not within the, the natural range. For example, CO2 emissions that are emitted are at a rate higher than that would be, quote, natural, right, without human interference or resource extraction. Those resources aren't always, if ever, truly given back uh, to nature or to local environments in a way that can be broken down uh, and be accessible to the, to the region. Oh, absolutely. That's that's the entire game of capitalism is to consolidate resources into metropolitan and industrial centers and uh, fuck everyone else. So I, I don't think we need to explain that to you guys, because most of you watching this are either uh, like minded individuals or you're communists, which you should stop being communists. But still, we all we all understand that. Yeah, and I think the whole conversation is it's necessary again i'm kind of reiterating my point we need to talk about the relationship between this productive mass society and its values in relation to you could say i would almost i kind of don't like using this point but self-evident values of nature or what works in the natural environment outside of the human interference i think again the conversation needs to be turned towards metabolic rift uh, in social in social metabolism, in that I think there is necessarily this is a great symbol of how when you throw off when when certain values come into conflict with each other, say human values or productivist values, I should say, with that of simple, you know, regionally or land based minded values that you would see in in certain indigenous groups, be they you know that of Africa or those in the Amazon, that you see the earth reacts in very different ways. So, you know, the one dude that ate a bat, right, is not, he's probably thinking, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> imagine these, being that these, dude. These things wouldn't happen if, you know, we lived in, in smaller scale traditional societies. Um, 
they they necessarily couldn't spread this way. You know, it's one thing to have animal husbandry, large-scale agriculture, industrial agriculture, industrial economy, you know, tightly grouped living spaces, especially that of China in the urban places. I mean, yeah, look, look at, at Shanghai. Their, yeah, their apartment complexes, their city streets. Um, you know, the the way we interact with each other and the way diseases are spread, uh, food distribution, things of that nature, versus that of say, you know, let's take the the Amazonian tribe. Even though technically the uh, it's very likely Amazonian rainforest is actually heavily impacted by human interference and is perhaps considered one of the largest gardens. We you don't see it, you don't see things like the coronavirus occurring or or mass die-offs of tribes because if someone gets sick you know it's not going to spread likely to other tribes or other bands because they're isolated from one another or maintain all you know their own social distancing you know instead of it being government mandated it's it's you know again naturally mandated that you know they they live off their land base and if you have too many people in one area living a certain way they're going to extract more of the resources than they can return through immediacy and i think the conversation about the plague of 2020 you know the spanish flu of 1919 and 1920 i believe were the years um that necessarily we have to look or you know we have to look civilization capitalism industrial society in the face and be like obviously this isn't working no artemis this is this is where you're wrong you're just a fascist you're just oh, you're just a dirty fascist. You need to Google left unity. Everything is fine. This is capitalism's fault. Uh, nothing to see with industrial civilization. We want fully automated luxury gay space communism right now. And if you don't agree, you are a Nazi. Oh, I, you know, I forgot that part. I, how could I forget? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We uh, apparently we forgot to uh, or at least all these leftists forgot to read uh, the rest of the ruthlessly criticize everything line that they like to throw out so much. They, they tend to forget industrial civilization and that, but Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's a discussion that we've already had and for another day. Yeah. And I think that there needs to be a conversation, not of just the plague, but things like Alzheimer's disease, arthritis, asthma, the can the many different cancers, uh, uh, you know, type two diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, kidney failure, PCOD, strokes, depression, obesity, you know, vascular dis- disorders in, that they all have in common it is sedentary industrial lifestyle. And then you have epigenetic mental health issues that you see are more common. Um, and I, I talked about this in the previous episode, but the link between British industrialism and the rise of depression and anxiety, it's a direct correlation that you can see because it's a different lifestyle that you see, or different rates of it in the ur- in ur- urban versus rural areas, that the divide uh, in their their living situations are heavily impact their their mental health, and that we know, and this is a fact. This isn't like confirmation bias. Like that's a fairly w- well understood aspect in psychology and epigenetics di- uh, science. Excuse me. And so it's not just you know large epidemic epidemic. Uh, you know, transferable diseases, but non-transferable diseases, uh, genetic ones, they develop, you know, either at, you know, you, you have them before you're born, you know, like say, what's a, what's one, Down syndrome, for example, you know, you're, you don't develop it, you're fairly, you're essentially born with it versus something you gain with age, like Alzheimer's or more likely, you know, certain heart diseases and, and diabetes, 
um, is it type two that you that you're born with, or is that the one that you develop? Uh, type two is you develop over time. Type one, you're yeah. born with it. Yeah. For example, type one, you know, it's possible. I'm not sure on the the rate of that as it's grown, but I know type two is only grown over time. And so, obviously, this sounds like I could be arguing for something along the lines of you know eugenics. We need to kill them off, and that's not what I'm saying, because if you think about it, civilization is an institution of of eugenics. Because it's saying, no, you know, you have to conform specifically to what this society mandates. And even in, unintentionally, it has long-term genetic effects. It's not, it's, it is both, you know, intentionally done and unintentionally done. And while nature produces that, why is, civil, why is it when civilization does it, it's okay? Why does that, why is it okay when that does it? But when, when it happens in nature, it's fascistic natural selection. Yeah, I mean, we have pandemics all around us. Um, just looking up a few numbers here, uh, 630,000 people in America die each uh, year of heart disease, one in every four deaths. Um, and coronary heart disease is the most common type of heart disease killing, about uh, 366,000 people in 2015. Uh, in the United States, someone has a heart attack about every 40 seconds. So there's these pandemics all over the place, like you said, whether it's people dying of not only heart disease or uh, diabetes, but um, diseases of despair too, like depression, anxiety. Uh, it, this is all linked to sedentary life. Uh, but now that we have this global sort of uh, hyper-awareness to what's going on around us, we have the pandemic of 2020 come through and everyone starts to realize like, wow, these things are possible. People uh, the whole world can be shut down. People can be stuck inside of their homes, but these things are happening all around us all the time. Um, so yeah, like you said, whether it comes from nature, it's fascistic, but if it comes from industrial civilization, then it's just something that we have to deal with, uh, which I think is pretty funny, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And of course, neither of us are saying at all that diseases didn't affect prehistoric people that or you know, oh, contemporary... absolutely contemporary primitive people and it's very likely that a majority of the time they died from it, two things young uh, it's an unfortunate fact child mortality disease was a big one sometimes it was um oh my god what do you call it when you kill your children um infanticide right In, infanticide yes yeah. i believe so mm -hmm. um that was also common but once you aged it was less so you would be, you would have maybe long-term effects maybe a virus or, or you would have like you know worms you know is something else that you would have but it's like i think this we're talking more about the spread of disease so i think it's it's not like they were automatically more healthy and they didn't get infected with diseases and the diseases didn't wipe out a tribe but the scale of it even if you look at like obviously the lower population density or overall population in general of say the paleolithic versus the modern era even then like diseases didn't transfer the same way people weren't affected by diseases the same way the fact that primitive people could live well into their 50s or 60s but the average was so low i think the average is technically like 25 or 30 or up to 40 in some places because of the high child mortality like you're ignoring the fact that people could live long lives and living longer isn't necessarily healthy living either because I think we can prove that by the fact that the rate of diseases that older people in, in, in especially in industrial society, have very often. Absolutely. I think that's a really sort of uh, like colonialist way of thinking that a lot of people tend to push against our arguments 
is that they they sort of tend to gravitate towards this uh, quantity of life rather than quality of life, where, yeah, you can, in an industrial uh, society, you can live to 80 years old, but be depression and anxiety riddled, have diabetes, uh, have hypertension, and just be miserable. And then they'll say that that is necessarily uh, a better life than a uh, than an indigenous person or a, a person in the Paleolithic, if you want to take it back even further, living into their 40s, uh, but not having necessarily the same issues. So I think you really have to be careful uh, in engaging with people and recognizing the arguments that they're using against you as well. Mm -hmm. I think also on the topic of, of all of this, if we want to get into medicine a little bit, that people dismiss indigenous or native medical practices as just like stupid, like tribal mythology, rather than something that served both as a as social bonding as well as many times, not always obviously, but it could prove to be effective. Like especially when you just talk about when you just talk about like plant based like plant plant based medicine, for example, uh, there's six major six or seven major grasses from where I'm from that um, the indigenous people that lived or still live here regularly used, such as in teas, it would help reduce fevers or colds, you know, things of that nature. So why is it that that's bad and modern medicine is good when you realize modern medicine is just synthesized from ancient technique? That's all it is. Yeah. I, I mean, where do these people think that we're getting all of these new drugs from? Most of them are coming from the Amazon rainforest, from plants. So when, mm -hmm. when people try to disconnect themselves from uh, indigenous uh, medical practice in the use of herbs and uh, in other grasses and everything like that, it's almost the same way that people see as like food just go goes to the grocery store. They don't understand where it comes from. People don't mm -hmm. understand where their medicine comes from as well. It's all, it's all coming from plants in the ground. And of course, it there are some drugs that are developed in labs, but it's the same basic properties that uh, indigenous people and people in the Paleolithic have used for tens of thousands of years. Mm -hmm. Also, I think it's interesting that even Neanderthals practiced, practiced like primitive dentistry, that they could actually remove cavities through what was kind of like a advanced hand drill, or that we could uh, they could set bones and just cover it with clay so that the bone could heal without interference. Oh, yeah. Or that they could use the pincers of ants. So imagine how small that is to close up wounds. So basically a primitive stitch. And these people were just dumb. Like Neanderthals. Yeah, no, yeah, I, no they're I just stupid people who threw their shit at each other. Oh, I'm of course that's what it was. But then a, another big one was Shanadar Cave. Was a Neanderthal cave. And I'm going to keep you referencing Neanderthals because there's a lot of cultural exchange, but also how human, for lack of a better word, they were. Right? So... There was a group of Neanderthals that were found to be essentially disabled. You know, one of them left his left arm. He was blind in at least one eye and deaf in probably both of his ears. But he lived far, but far longer than most Neanderthals did. They had a naturally shorter lifespan than we did because they lived much more brutal lives. But also naturally their lifeline was just shorter or their lifespan was shorter. But they were cared for long term they didn't so think about this neanderthals were almost entirely nomadic if not always nomadic 
so they had to keep pace. But if you had these disabled members, you would have to slow down and care for them. You would have to mash up their food. You had to give them something that they could do so they wouldn't get bored. So they had to sacrifice their own ability to survive to care for their own. So these were, people weren't a dumb or antisocial. They were social creatures. That's the one thing I, you, I think you can say about humans in general is that we're social and that we're empathetic mostly, right? Is that we, when we have social bonding, we care for one another. So it's not like we just fucking throw each other off cliffs. We weren't Spartans for all of human history. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Because that social bonding is what, what kept us alive. If you didn't have that strong social connection to the people around you, then, then why would you defend them? Mm -hmm. And then there's also evidence of ancient, uh, it's called tree panning. They would drill a hole in your head. So Neanderthals themselves had this issue. I'm not sure what caused it, if it was uh, an epigenetic or genetic issue that they had, that they would have a lot of brain swelling. So they would drill into their head to, to basically depressurize their skulls, and it was effective. Obviously, there would probably be a lot of issues that came with it, but when you, there's not a whole lot else you could do for that at that time period, but it was still effective for, you know, decompressing and allowing their, their essentially their heads to breathe. So obviously, I think the point we're essentially trying to make is civilization and anti-civilization, or lack of civilization, so to speak, both have their own causes of death. But here's the thing, is there's more causes of death within civilization than without i think because of the for example uh car deaths uh major suicide that's not seen in tribal society murder uh seen poor working conditions their own diseases plus diseases that were naturally prone to and then in addition to those that spread because of animal husbandry urban urban living etc that you are counting up all these issues that you can't even defend yourself against right it's one thing that you know, you face down an animal and perhaps you get injured or you don't cook your food properly and you get sick, you don't process your water, you know, something of Shit, that nature. people do that now. Yeah, something of that nature. <laughs> but it's another for like some scientists built a fucking a nuclear facility that you didn't have any say in and it blew up and fucking killed you. Like so many more things are out of our control now than Oh, absolutely. Then. Obviously absolutely. there's things like weather but like the weather's gonna affect you no matter what. I'm sorry, unless we find a way to start controlling that. God help us if we do. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Your people in your mega mansions aren't gonna be able to avoid the uh, the tsunami. It's so, like everyone's dying in that shit. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> yeah, but I just think you know it's it's a trade off. But it's it's what are you more comfortable with? I think is really what it comes down to. But also, truly understanding. That, for example, like contemporary hunter-gatherers, and this is fairly well understood, is that they aren't actually very reflective of, of true Paleolithic living because of how both... I hate doing, you know, we should need to stop generalizing so how various those lifestyles could be for those, you know, those that live in the Amazon rainforest, for example, are more prone to infectious diseases, you know, jungle infections than the fucking people that live in the Arctic or other cold regions. You know, the First Nations of Canada would not face the same health issues of uh, the Sentinelese people, right? You know? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about the health of hunter-gatherers because while they're not, you know, I don't think they're the the peak of human health, and I don't think anything could truly be the peak of human health because I think 
when you exchange one thing for the other, you're always going to, it's a trade-off, you know, give and take what, what you're comfortable with, essentially. You know, in primitive life, you weren't likely to have large, uh, epi, you know, transferable diseases. And while we had a lot of uh, development, not developmental, but almost environmental. So like, for example, there's a lot of bone, bone disorders from the heavy lifting and work they had to do. Versus, you know what I mean? But you can still have that now. You know, different arthritis that you develop versus, I forget what they call it, osteo. Uh, osteoporosis. Yeah, they had something of various to that, but that was more akin to the to the Neolithic than to the Paleolithic. So, mm-hmm. but I think people really misunderstand primitive, you know, Paleolithic health a lot. And especially when you look at modern hunter-gatherers, their living standards are not that good compared to those before when they had a, more access to flora and fauna and they weren't subject to to irradiated, you know, water, or not irradiated, but polluted waterways and, you know, colonization through agriculture. Yeah, colonialist so, rule is probably a big one. Also not being allowed to hunt the way they want to, so they're pushed to less and less uh, uh, prosperous land bases, you know, especially those of Africa, uh, the Amazon uh, Amazonian people, of course, themselves are very much struggling uh, against the colonization of those the likes of Bolsonaro and, you know, other Latin American governments. Um, so I don't think they're a one-to-one example, but from what we have seen and what we can kind of infer from, from contemporary hunter-gatherers is that their health is far undermined in in modern society, or what's what's a better way to say it? Then it's, no, um, I, I think that's a pretty good way to say it. So I, I, I think that the conversation needs to be had about both modern health and health of literally of all eras, not just, you know, Paleolithic versus 21st century, but that of feudalism that, you know, for example, there's a lot of health issues, but their teeth, the teeth of, uh, of a, a normal peasant actually wasn't that bad because the bread they ate actually softened or um, layered their teeth in such a way that bacteria was less likely to build up and they didn't have a lot of sugary food but of course that you know one accident you chop your fucking leg off with an axe or something <laughs> and at that point you kind of you kind of fucked or the Maybe you got nice of, teeth though or the, the you know black plague you know kind of a problem for a lot of people in europe a little bit oh yeah <laughs> yeah just a third of the european population <laughs> so i think you know i think that we have almost for lack of a better word, like a confirmation bias or, or a view bias, so to speak, because we have such a view of that we live in the best era that it gets better constantly in this sort of linear development of progress, however you want to define progress, that we, we always want to think, well, people before us couldn't have been healthier. When I think that, I don't even think there's really a healthier, so to speak, but people that were, well, you could probably argue, obviously, some people are healthier than others, but like, to think that like primitive people weren't as healthy as you because they lived in nature is both wrong, and I think that's it's, it's ignorant because you probably haven't done a lot of research into it. Because I think it's kind of in sometimes, especially in like when people talk the the paleodite people romanticize the hunter gatherer far too much, often through a, through generalization. Um, the paleodite is so fucking dumb. It's Don't so even get me started on that shit. I know like four <laughs> people on that shit. I want to smack them. I think Kevin Tucker's on it. Uh, <laughs> fuck Kevin Tucker. That's for another day. You can send this shit to him too. Fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's a, it's a matter of both ignorance, 
colonial propaganda as well as the noble savage to me which is extremely harmful that a lot of primitivists unfortunately engage in but i'm sort of rambling and i apologize no you're good is there, i mean is there anything else you wanted to add onto that I mean, not really. You pretty much you pretty much hit everything on the head there. Just stop speaking when you don't know anything about what you're talking about is the moral of the story here, folks. Um, <clears throat> holy shit, it's already been 35 minutes. All right, I think we'll wrap it up there. You might get some more videos from us soon. We might continue on the topic of the plague of 2020 as things develop. But I think that's a pretty good place to stop for now. Sorry, it's been a little while. Um, I just moved into a new place. Art has been busy with school. Then obviously the plague of 2020 hit us all. Uh, but we're going to try to work on getting some content out pretty regularly. Well, uh, we're all out of work and out of school and people are sort of trapped in their houses. So other than mm. that, stay healthy, everyone. I hope you guys have a good day. And uh, thank you for watching today's episode of the Uncivilized Podcast.